0: Hello, I'm Abram Van Ingen.
1: And I'm Joanne Diaz.
0: And this is Poetry for All.
1: In this podcast, we read a poem, discuss it, learn from it, and then read it one more time.
0: Today's poet is Amanda Gorman, who again, needs no introduction. We just had an episode a few weeks ago on her amazing inauguration poem, The Hill We Climb. And amazingly, Amanda Gorman was also invited to perform a poem for this year's Super Bowl, which is the first time a poet has ever performed a poem for the Super Bowl. Yay! <laughs> move over football it's time for poetry (laughs) her poem chorus of the captains was produced and released just before the super bowl started on february 7 and i think it's important to realize that the audience for this poem was actually much larger than the audience for the inauguration of joe biden the inauguration audience was roughly 31 million or so and the super bowl audience is roughly 99 million so three times the size of the audience The other thing that's amazing about this is that an advertisement at the Super Bowl for 30 seconds costs five and a half million dollars. Amanda Gorman was given basically two minutes of airtime right before the Super Bowl started. So we're talking about a poem that was worth roughly 22 million dollars at the time (laughs) (laughs) that it was given. So my first question for you, Joanne, is how does the fact of this occasion, the Super Bowl, and the size of this audience, shape the poem that was given.
1: Oh God, I, I just have to, can you believe that we have this opportunity to talk about a poet, not once but twice, within just a couple of weeks of each other, for two of the most momentous occasions of 2021. You know what I mean? Like when we started this podcast a few months ago, I could never have foreseen this and I'm just so happy we're getting to do it. How, but how does the audience shape the poem? Of course, what's beautiful about looking at these poems sort of against each other just across a couple of weeks is that they both remind me that a poetry doesn't always have to do the same thing. What these poems have in common... Is that they are both occasional poems, which is to say they are written for a public occasion. But they are not created for the same kind of occasion or for the same audience, really. And so I can or I can see as I read the poem, as I watch Amanda Gorman deliver it, that she understands her audience so clearly. She understands that this is going to be something that individuals are watching. While they're eating their nachos and working on their chicken wings and everything else. And she's got one shot to sort of get people's attention and pay some respect to these extraordinary individuals. And another kind of thing that's different uh, from the inauguration is her presentation of the poem is a more of a multimedia, new media experience.
0: Yeah, so... I mean, one of the questions about this poem is just what kind of shape it takes. So we are not reading the poem here, partly because we are doing this for the love of it and we don't pay a lawyer to um, work on our copyright law. (laughs) But also because, in a certain sense, the poem was the moment of the poem. It was given as it almost looked like a movie trailer when it came yes. out. It had music to it, it had video footage of these three people that she was specifically honoring. And so the whole poem is more than just the words on the page. And us reading it right here over the podcast doesn't actually do it justice. And so, one way to understand this is to think about the way that new media, things like Instagram, TikTok, movie trails, and so on, are affecting the shape of poetry as we move forward. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, Virginia Jackson and Meredith Martin published an essay about Amanda Gorman's inauguration poem, and they called it The Poetry of the Future. And in that uh, piece, they talk about a lot of wonderful things, but one of the things they talk about is the way that this new media, social media, and other platforms are really reshaping poetry towards a new kind of genre.
1: You know, as I hear you talking, I'm thinking about one of my favorite quotes by a sculptor named Anish Kapoor. He's one of the most important sculptors of the 20th and 21st century. Some people might know him as the creator of Cloud Gate or, you know, the Bean that's in Millennium Park in Chicago. He's an amazing sculptor. And I went to an exhibit of his once, And in a video, he said, the history of sculpture is the history of materials the history of sculpture is the history of materials. And that's fascinating because that helps me understand why he, as a contemporary sculptor, is interested in fiberglass, in metals, in mm-hmm. all kinds of synthetic materials, right? Because those are the materials of our modern era. If you were in ancient Greece or Rome, your materials would be marble. So you you have to think about whatever is relevant and available to you. That has some relevance to poetry, I think. So, poetry, in its most ancient beginnings, was an oral performed tradition. If mm-hmm. we're looking at Homer's Iliad, his meter is something you can dance to. And if you can dance to the meter, it helps you memorize the poem even before it's committed to the page, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they, they were written down originally. And then, you know, in the Middle Ages and then into the Renaissance, we're looking at poem's material as paper up through the 20th century. Now we're in the 21st century, we don't have to be committed to paper in quite the same way. We don't have to commit every poem to a book or a printed page. We have these materials that can really create a sensory experience that's quite moving.
0: Yeah, and I love what you say because not only does it create new opportunities and it makes poetry sort of embrace these visual qualities that it might not have embraced when it was just printed on a page, But also, in some ways, it's actually bringing the poetry of Amanda Gorman back to these Homeric beginnings. Mm. So if you think also about Beowulf, Beowulf is a very oral poem, and it's highly alliterative. That is, so many of the words start with the same letter because you're hearing it, and the hearing of it is the thing that matters. It sounds like a really metered cadence and alliterative speech. And lo and behold, Amanda Gorman's performed poetry sounds like a lot of cadence, a lot of rhyme, a lot of meter, a lot of alliteration, and kind of like a public speech. So in many ways, even as it's embracing all this new media with video, montage, with music, and so on, it's actually in some ways returning to a very ancient form of poetry. And actually, even the title itself, Chorus of the Captains, returns us to that concept of a Greek chorus, of of an ancient sort of communal spoken poetry.
1: Once again, and we talked about this with her inauguration poem, it's here again. She's a poet who's very attentive to rhythms, to sound, to patterns of repetition and sound. So as you say, the title, Chorus of the Captains, announces that. And then she launches right into it with that first stanza. Today, we honor, our three captains for their actions and impact in a time of uncertainty and need they have taken the lead isn't that wonderful so again very deliberate alignment of sound we are in need and they have taken the lead
0: yes and the other thing i love about this very beginning is that again it's attentive to the occasion so the occasion is the super bowl on one hand on the other hand the occasion is a year-long pandemic that we've all been living through Today we honor our three captains, well, football begins with the captains taking the field. That's, how, that's the first moment of the game. The captains mm-hmm. take the field, they flip the coin, they start the game. Mm-hmm. And here, right before the game starts, we begin by honoring three other captains outside the field, outside the stadium, outside of football.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting and, and sobering, right? Because a lot of what the three individuals are doing in this poem, James, Tremaine, and then Susie, is hidden labor, Unless you are ill and you go to the hospital for COVID, Susie's labor will be invisible to you unless it is described or announced in a poem like this.
0: And I also think that there's a reason Susie comes last in this list she's an ICU nurse manager who lives in the ICU battle zone. Twice we get that ICU. And it's almost as though we're getting to the end of this list and Amanda Gorman is reminding us almost with a trick of the language itself. I see you. We see you. It's hidden labor, but we're bringing it to the fore to honor it now.
1: Okay, so as I hear you talking, that helps me understand how the video is working with the language. So Susie is the final of the three individuals who's honored. And if you recall, and anybody can the video is everywhere, you can watch it yourself, you might recall that you see her eyes first uh, in the first shot of her, and then in Mm -hmm. the second shot of her, you see her taking off her mask and sort of shaking her head in exhaustion. Um, So it's important that there's a close-up of her to see, again, the kind of toll that the labor is taking on her, but also a recognition that she is seeing us and that we're seeing her as well.
0: Yes. And I think the other important part about those visuals is that a portrait is a really important way to highlight an individual. Mm. And yet these individuals are being highlighted because they build up a community.
1: Yes, James has felt the wounds of warfare, but this warrior still shares his home with at-risk kids. During COVID, he's even lent a hand, live-streaming football for family and fans. Yes, he's bringing joy to people by live-streaming football. And of course, that recognizes, again, the occasion of the Super Bowl. But those wounds of warfare... I mean, he's an incredible person. He's working with the Wounded Warriors Project. He was someone who was paralyzed from his injuries in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. He was in the Marines for 13 years. So, you know, yes, there's, there are many Jameses, but to illustrate one individual... There's something about that that is quite moving that maybe you wouldn't feel in the same way if you talked about thousands of individuals. So that's a beautiful example of illustration and description and how poetry can make you feel something that might feel more abstract otherwise, right?
0: Yes, and there's an old tradition of uh, literary studies that that focuses on the importance of particularity, in particular its relation to the emotions, we don't get moved by masses. We don't get moved by large numbers. We do get moved by a particular individual, a particular face, a particular story. Yeah. So, so when we want people to understand the repercussions of a pandemic that has killed you know, almost 450,000 people now, we need to actually talk about one person. That's right. And that's how we begin to understand what this really means. And that's what she's doing in this poem with a kind of list of three people. But you'll see at the beginning of the poem, they're not described as individuals. They're described as leaders, healers, and educators, which are everywhere. Which yeah. So they are, in a certain sense, representative. And it reminds me in some ways of the old Walt Whitman catalogs, where he's trying to give a sense of democracy by listing just every kind of occupation he can list and celebrating it. (laughs) On the one hand, he can't just talk in plural terms about masses of individuals, and so he's highlighting this individual, that individual, that individual, and it becomes just a giant, unending list. And she's pulling from that tradition to say, we need a list of particular individuals to talk about a much broader community.
1: Oh, captain, my captain. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) You know again to and just to speak to that second person who's mentioned in the poem Tremaine Davis, again, this is yeoman's work, right uh, yes, he's an educator, yes, he's inspiring uh young people all day every day, but you know he's he's doing the work he and and look at how she aligns sounds. we've talked about sound before, but He's an educator who works nonstop providing his community with hot spots, laptops, and tech workshops. So his students have all the tools they need to succeed in life in school. So she's aligning nonstop, hot spot, laptop, workshop. It's a beautiful sound, beautiful rhythms there. And of course, she's working with the elements of performance poetry that she's so good at. But Just in doing so, just spending time again on the hidden labor that is getting this technology to children during a pandemic who would not otherwise have it. And again, you learn about Tremaine Davis amazing story uh, a story of an individual who had everything against him and then went on to become a college graduate get a master's degree and now he's transforming the lives of children in his community these are incredible people and it's just to to have time to meditate on their stories that in and of itself is the gift of this poem, you know?
0: And I think the other thing you're pointing out there is, so sometimes I have students when we read a Whitman poem, they say, come on, what is it? How is this poet? He's just listing a bunch of things. And I say, okay, you make a list of things that sounds as good as that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you go out and make a list of anything, whatever, and make it sound good like yeah. that. And actually, it's very hard to do. And so one of the things we see happening here, and this goes back to the the question of audience, 99 million people are watching this. 99 million people do not read poetry on a regular basis. Mm. (laughs) They're not uh, going to necessarily fall head over heels for an incredibly difficult poem. Mm. So in many ways, this is poetry that, again, recognizes its occasion, recognizes its audience. It's timely. It's not necessarily timeless, but it's timely. And it brings people into the poem and the poetry and the point of it through a kind of simplicity, but also through all these meters and rhymes and cadences and ways of speaking that are not necessarily easy to pull off.
1: And also, I, I think the reason Amanda Gorman is is just making everyone fall in love with her is because she's giving us the language that we just haven't heard enough of in the mm-hmm, past mm-hmm. few years uh, honoring individuals doing what is right and just talking about courage and compassion and even the final word of the poem it is they who every day honor us the very final word of the poem is reminding us that we are an us yes that <laughs> we yeah. are a collective That's we right. yeah. you know
0: I mean, you said uh, before this podcast started, have you ever seen a poet talk so much about we and us?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great.
0: So, Joanne, we have a poem that initiates the Super Bowl for the first time ever. This is a very odd thing <laughs> <laughs> and a very wonderful thing. So, so what, is your, what are your takeaways from this poem and from this moment?
1: I am so excited for this moment because I can already tell from the way that people are responding to the poem on social media and the, you know, the critical essays that it's generating, that it is repositioning poetry as something that feels urgent and essential and timely. And there was a wonderful uh, tweet from a woman named Leslie Grossman. I don't know who she is. I know nothing about her, but, but hundreds of people have retweeted this, and it just brings a smile to my face. Leslie Grossman wrote, I think it's very cool. They are playing a football game to celebrate the Amanda Gorman poetry reading. <laughs> That's so great. But isn't that wonderful? Because to be honest with you, Abram, I know that you're an avid football fan. I am. am not such an avid fan, (laughs) but I tuned in because I knew Amanda Gorman would be reading her poem. And, you know, so I think that Leslie Grossman, I, I think that that quote says it all for me. How about you?
0: That's awesome. For me, the takeaway is just trying to think about how much poetry is given to its occasion. And why poetry can take so many different shapes for so many different occasions, using the material of its time to speak to its audience. It does not need to be one thing or another. And Amanda Gorman being able to find, I think, what is a remarkable sort of middle ground between a wonderful public speech and a kind of poetic cadence, rhyme, meter, rhythm that brings us to a sense of community in these key moments. I mean, I think that's remarkable what she's doing.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's such a special moment.
0: Well, you can learn more about Amanda Gorman and you can find a video, and we do recommend the video of this poem pretty much anywhere. Just Google Amanda Gorman Super Bowl. <laughs> For more information about Amanda Gorman and about all things poetry, Please visit our Poetry for All website at poetryforall.fireside.fm.
1: And please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
0: Thank you for listening.